drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the All Things Dave podcast, and I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. Did you guys check out the first episode? I'm bringing Andy back, and today we are talking about not only classic movie monsters, because some people still call these movies classics, but we're sticking with a specific time frame of 1970 through 1999. Let's bring them back. What's up, Andy? Hey, Dave. What's up? Oh, man. Yeah, this uh, this episode is going to be fun. But uh, it's probably the hardest episode I've ever had to prepare for, I think, with you. <laughs> That's how you know we're doing it right, my man. Hey, so you and I were talking. I've been sick, you know, the last week, and that's a very bad thing. Except it gave me a lot of unexpected time to watch a lot of unexpectedly great monster movies. Just made it harder for you to pick, right? <laughs> it did, and I'll be the first to tell you that... Uh, when we said we were going to do this, I made my list in like 30 seconds because I had these like five monster movies that fit that time frame that really defined things for me. And then I did the one thing you don't do is I challenged my list and I challenged myself. And not only did I go out of my way and watch, like I said, a lot more, but I also researched a lot more and my final list has become a combination of all three different lists that I made. Oh, wow, that's cool. So you found some new favorites in there, huh? Maybe. I'm not telling you. All right. But I, I will okay. tell you just in a minute. But you know what's different this time is we were allowed two honorable mentions because, like you said, it was so hard to choose. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing, like... I only had, I had started off with one honorable honorable mention, and I had five, and then I another movie popped into my head. I'm like, oh my god, I can't I can't go without adding that in my top five somewhere. So that bumped one of those ones down. And I was like, well, I'll just bump it down to my honorable mentions and have two, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, you know, if it wasn't for that little rule that. About no werewolves, you know what movie? You you know there would be a certain '80s werewolf movie on my list. <laughs> I have a feeling it'd be a certain sequel too. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're sticking with with that rule, you know. I, I, this was tough because deep down, I knew this was going to put you through hell because I've known you for a good amount of time and you've always made it very clear that you love monster movies and you really love the 80s and I thought putting it from 70 to 99 covered probably every monster movie you've ever loved and I'm doing this just to hear your list to be honest but um, <laughs> I did tell you you know the first one I, I really wanted to get away from humans you know and then with this one I knew that would put you in a pickle because there's a particular movie that I think is going to pop up on your list and I said you know Andy as long as our person doesn't sit there and go from monster to perfectly fine human being to monster back and forth like that's kind of I don't want that that's not a monster movie I know it can be argued but I you know I want to prevent from having five honorable mentions here, and so we made that little rule, but we tweaked it a little bit, and here we are to talk about it, and so let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into some honorable mentions. You give me one, I'll give you one, and then we'll knock this thing out. Let's go. All right, so my first honorable mention, this is uh, um, in the in the late 80s, there was a, there was a few, like there's kind of a trend, and it was underwater like monster movies, like sea monster movies. So my first honorable mention is Deep Star 6. And uh, it's one that, it's actually directed by Sean Cunningham, director of Friday 13th. Yeah. And it's one that I clearly remember seeing the previews for, or the trailer for on TV, and one that I always wanted to see, I never got to as a kid, but as an adult, I was able to pick up the DVD and watch it. And yeah, it's 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 fine. You know, it's it's a really fun creature feature. Uh, the practical effects are pretty well done. So if you if you guys haven't seen it, definitely, and you're into like the underwater uh, monster movies, definitely check this out. Andy, what's funny about this movie is I have seen it only once, but it was the last time I was sick. Not this time, but back in December when I was sick. That's my trend. I get sick and I watch great horror movies. I discovered this one here, and, and it's one that I had remembered the box art, but I never really knew if it was a monster movie or not. You know what I mean? Because I didn't dive it. Uh, <laughs> dive. <laughs> deep Star 6. Anyway, I didn't dive deep into it. And lo and behold, when I watched it, I loved it. It's not on my list. But, dude, anything with Miguel Ferrer is awesome. Oh yeah, for sure he plays a uh, he plays a pretty good asshole in that one. Yeah, anybody named Snyder, watch out. But dude, I gotta say, I won't spoil <laughs> it, but I remember there's a certain sequence towards the end of the movie that I definitely did not expect, and uh, it just kind of added icing on the cake for me. But uh, it has to do with the creature. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, Andy, I'm gonna give you an honorable mention, and I'm gonna go ahead and stay in the water. You cool with that? Sure. All right. Everybody knows some really great monster movies out there that take place in the water. And I'm a sucker for a good monster movie in the water because water is my greatest fear. Originally, I was going to talk to you about a Jaws movie because I love Jaws movies. I, I was going to lean really heavy on Jaws 3 because Jaws 3D is so bad it's, it's good. I, I love that movie. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with something that the military calls razor teeth, and I'm going to say 1978 Piranha. So Piranha is Ooh, definitely yeah. a monster movie because 
it takes everything that Jaws is and multiplies it. You got a school of fish that are genetically enhanced to kill people. They were going to be used as a military weapon. And it's Joe Dante's first horror movie, dude. And it is a lot of fun. Like, you know that you're going into this to watch a Jaws ripoff. But it's done in such a manner that it doesn't feel like a ripoff. It just feels like a really fun story that's totally unbelievable but you're gonna believe it for the sake of the movie and it's not afraid to add a shit ton of blood in the water and kill kids and adults and i absolutely love it when directors are not afraid to go the extra mile and dude i don't know they, they made remakes of it i saw the remake you and i talked to the guy i actually uh wrote it but when you go back to the original movie and not knowing what to expect, there's something about Piranha that's just a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's the late 70s. got that 70s feel to it. Um, you know, the grainy film quality just adds to, like, the drive-in effect of this movie. Um, and, yeah, I just love, yeah, just the, the total chaos that we see. Wasn't Roger Corman involved in this one? Of course. Yeah, production. That's what I was Gotta thinking. have boobs, Roger Corman. <laughs> Even though Roger Corman said less boobs, and it totally shocked everybody. But that's because you, wow. you don't want to take away from the amazing terror that is Piranha. And there's a certain sequence in this movie where these people are on a man-made raft. It's one they made themselves. And this is a solid raft, Andy. I was like, this is this looks good. You know what I mean? And those piranhas figure out a way to take that raft apart. And it was just all hell and chaos. And um, this was another first-time watch for me. I didn't grow up with Piranha. I grew up with the Jaws franchise. But when I saw Piranha, and knowing that even Steven Spielberg gave it his A-OK, I was like, it's a solid film. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. This is, and this is one that I always I remember hearing about when I was a kid, like in the on the playground. Like, I remember some kid talking about this movie. And so I was always kind of interested in watching it, but I never, I just didn't get to see it until I was an adult. I need to, I, I'm due for a rewatch on that one again. Yeah, for sure. And I think you hung out on a kick ass playground if the kids were talking about Piranha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all right, man. What's your other and final honorable mention? Okay. So my, my final honorable mention, this is, and this is, people are probably going to be, cursing me because this is on my honorable mentions but it is predator from 1987 uh, and this is one that i watched i had the vhs tape when i was a kid and i watched it all like all the time it is one of those ones that my parents didn't know that i had because they probably wouldn't have let me watch it but yeah i watched it a lot but it's it doesn't quite like nowadays as an adult it doesn't quite like hit the mark for me to fit in my top five so that's why it's an honorable mention so which movie was the one you forgot to add to your list was it predator or was it deep star six that made you uh, it was predator uh predator got knocked out okay cool rightfully so that means you have five great movies then but uh <laughs> no man i'm not gonna curse you for uh putting predator in your honorable mention because honorable mentions are still good things and it's definitely a monster movie, and it's great with Arnold. It would have been really weird with John Claude Van Damme. That backstory is hilarious. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I've seen those pictures of him wearing the costume. It's awful. <laughs> the costume's awful, but the Predator costume is great. So yeah, good honorable mention, my man. I got a question for you. 
All right. I'm looking at my honorable mention, my final honorable mention, and I want to know how do you feel about dick monsters? Uh, what monsters? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking about dick monsters, man. What's wrong? Not scary or not appealing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, the studio agreed with you, and instead of having a dick monster, they changed him into the image of an ogre. But I don't care because he's still a rockin' monster that will bite you, piss on you, and rip you apart. My last honorable mention is Clive Barker's Rawhead Rex. Ooh, okay. So, I've... No? Yeah, I've never seen this Okay, one. so Rawhead Rex is a movie that falls in the middle. Some people love it, some people hate it. I think people who love it grew up with it. And it's kind of like, uh, if you watched it through the eyes and now, maybe you won't like it so much. Or if maybe you're true to uh, Clive Barker's original story, you'll hate it because it's not exactly the same. But Andy, I watched this movie with fresh eyes last week. Just for the sake of it. Like, I didn't watch it to put on my list. I was just still enjoying watching monster movies. But lord and behold, I watched this one and I was like, I can't not talk about a dick monster, dude. So let me tell you. Rawhead Rex uh, is like shrek gone mad okay and, and it's called a dick monster not in the movie but in the original novel because if you google rawhead rex at least clive barker story novella you see the image that he was trying to have a monster with the head of a penis and it's called raw hex it's supposed to look like a raw penis and, and everything it's totally clive barker who some people might know uh, is a gay writer uh but he's been out for a super long time and the dude puts a lot of uh, S&M stuff in his stories. He gave us Hellraiser, Candyman. The dude is really awesome. I had the pleasure of meeting him once. He's a great writer, and he's a great person. He created this movie that takes place in Scotland. So what's up to our buddy Neil Fraser, who's in Scotland? And he literally goes around and terrorizes people that go in the woods, that live in the local trailer park. And Andy, I'm, I'm serious. He will bite your face off. He'll rip your arm off, and he will piss on you. And if that is something you want to see, then you need to hop over to these free streaming services because Rawhead Rex is on there, and it's something you got to see to believe. But I will warn you, the reason that it's an honorable mention for me is because I feel like it has a flawed ending. The ending works in the narrative. I feel like it works better if you read the story, but to see that ending on film just kind of feels lackluster but it doesn't take away from how entertaining the movie was for me. So, Rawhead Rex. Oh, yeah, cool. I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah, you'll have to let me know what you think. But all right, man, let's dive into that number five. What you got? All right, my number five. It, it's, uh, yeah, I can never think of the name of the monster. It actually has a name in this movie. I think it's Ramon. I think I said it wrong. When we talked, we talked about this. One I already before, know but... what it is when you say Ramon. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Alligator from early '80s. I can't remember which year. But yeah, that's my number five. It's one that um, I had a babysitter when I was like eight or nine, and they rented this movie, and they wouldn't let me watch it, but they did let us kids come out and see one scene, and it was a scene where the the kids were playing baseball on the street and like the alligator like busts up through the sidewalk. So that's the only scene I got to see when I was a kid, but I was totally uh, captivated by that. And so, you know, as an adult, I, I sought this movie out and, and I bought it and 
you know, have, you know, it's been a favorite ever since. That's awesome. You introduced this movie to me a few years ago when we started doing uh, classic 80s reviews. This is the first one that we did. And I remember not really being aware of it, maybe the name only. But, dude, I was totally blown away because I had been polluted with a lot of CGI monster movies over the last 15 years. And to go back and see an 80s classic that had the amazing practical effects and whatever animation it may have used didn't stand out like a sore thumb. So I'm not going to say I watched a, a making of. I don't know how they did it. But, dude, that is a solid, solid number five. I love Alligator. Yeah, cool. Makes me wonder if you're going to bring up Crocodile on the next episode. But don't tell me now. <laughs> so... Andy, for my number five, I'm going to tell you something. Going in, I knew there was a good chance that I'd want to talk about some sort of killer bear. Okay? I knew that one of my personal favorites was going to be on this list. Like, I have no problem telling you that I love Grizzly. However, I can't tell you that Grizzly is my number five because a couple of weeks ago... I saw a new movie, and it totally blew my mind, and I know you love it, because it's from 1979. It's Prophecy. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Could you imagine watching Uh, this last week and it being your first time ever? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. I'm jealous. Yeah, I I wish I could see it again for the first time, because it's one of those things where, you know, you know there's a a monster, but they don't really come out and say what it is, like, in the beginning, and then you kind of this, you know, you, it kind of pops out, I think, you know, and in, in one scene. But yeah, the creature effects, you know, they're fine. I think I think they're pretty cool. Uh, I think it kind of gets some some crap from people, but I think uh, I think it was I think it's a pretty good movie. I think it's a pretty fun movie. Um, it has some really unintentionally funny scenes though, with the bear attacking some people too. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so does Grizzly, right? But that's okay. Oh, and yeah. I'm gonna tell you so. I had known about Prophecy. I had seen the cover before. I know Evan has seen it, and he kind of... I'm not going to say he roasted me, but he was surprised that I hadn't seen it. And then when I read B. Harrison Smith's book, and he loved Prophecy, I knew you liked it. I was like, why have I not seen this movie? And this was a perfect time for me to watch it for the first time and see if it makes my list. And it fucking took Grizzly out, which is really crazy. Prophecy... The special effects are fine. They're perfectly what they need to be for this movie. But I was just blown away by the story, and I absolutely loved the main actor in the movie. I was staring at him, and it's kind of funny. He reminds me of a friend of mine. He looks just like him. And I'm like, why do I know that guy? He looks just like my friend. And I'm like, wait, I remember saying this before, and I found out. I looked it up. I was like, oh, he's in some Star Trek DS9 episodes. Cool. But, dude, you take the basis of environmental stories, Native Americans wanting to do things their way on their land and being screwed over uh, by, like, lumber yards and whatnot, and you get into a story that involves contaminated water and anything that drinks from or, or lives in that water becomes mutated. And then what happens when you get a mutated giant-ass bear that terrorizes the town? And, dude... I mean, it's there, right? This is the definition of a so good, so bad it's good monster movie of the 80s, uh, but it's 79. But it, it's prophecy, and if anybody hasn't seen it, it's definitely something you need to check out. 
cool cover too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it unfortunately did not make my list, but it's uh, definitely uh, one that I go back to a lot. Well, that's good because we had too much crossover last time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's see here. All right, so on to my number four. Um, This is we're going to the '90s for this one, and uh, this one is actually a book I read first before the movie came out. Um, this is called The Relic, and uh, has a really awesome monster, just like really cool creature effects in this one. I, it was a mixture. Of, I'm pretty sure it was a mixture of practical and some CG, but I think I think they did really well with this one. Um, it's it's got a cool story. You know, I, I love the whole idea of the monster, the the mythology behind it. Um, have you seen this one, Dave? I have absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you my story, and I don't want to steal your thunder. Uh, first off, every time you bring up a movie, I bite my tongue because I want to. I listened to the last episode, and every time you said the movie, I remember going, "Yeah." I'm like, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear Andy <laughs> tell it to us. So, uh, don't want to steal your thunder. But I'll tell you my story is this movie's not on my list. But I was afraid if I watched it again, it would make its way on there, and I had to just stop. But there is speculation that the Relic was the first horror movie I ever saw in theater. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I went and saw it with my aunt, who was my gateway into horror. And the reason I say speculation is because growing up, I told everybody Scream was my first horror movie in theater. I couldn't tell left from right because these movies, I saw them within one week of each other. I looked them up on IMDb, and fucking The Relic came out first. And I'm like, oh no, I spent my whole life telling people oh. I saw Scream first. It might have been The Relic. I don't know. I can't time travel. I'm going to stick with my original story and say it's Scream, but fucking A, I loved the relic and it blew my mind in theater because, again, I couldn't tell how they did the effects, but I thought the monster was top notch. Yeah. Yeah, the monster is really cool. This movie takes place in a museum, and that's such an interesting setup for a horror movie. Like, people know Night at the Museum, and it works really well for a comedy. Well, guess what? In the 90s, it worked really well for a horror movie. What happens when you have a special exhibit open up and all the important people in town are showing up, and then you have this giant... Andy, this monster, it's like a beetle combined with a this and then that, and I won't get too spoilery, but... Man, the stuff that they do really rocks the house. And when I see that thing, like, jumping on the walls and climbing up to get people that are trying to escape, oh, I'm like, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, it has, it has some really cool, like, scenes. Um, you know, when that was, like, the SWAT team busting through the roof yep. to try to rescue the people. That, that's a great scene. Um, you know, the people, like, in the, the sewer, you know, that, that's really cool. It just has a lot of a lot of cool, like, set pieces, like, for that setup. Some really cool uh, monster action. It is. And I know the lady who works in the museum was the principal in Kindergarten Cop. So when she popped up, that was kind of a treat. And Tom Sizemore, right, is the lead guy in that. He's always great. And then, what is her? Is it Penelope Ann Miller, I think is her name? But... She was also from Kindergarten Cop, so you had a, a reunion there. But I'm going off memory, so hopefully I'm not wrong about that. But, dude, I remember seeing this movie, and you could definitely say it was my first creature feature on the big screen. And uh, it, it was really cool. So, good number four. Andy, um, how do you feel about Custodians? 
they're okay. Okay. Well, my number four used to be a custodian. Uh, it's where the monster is a good guy. I'm talking about Troma's mascot, 1984, the Toxic Avenger. Dude, a film that absolutely <laughs> nobody can hate. All right. It's got over the top performances, awesome practical effects, and it's hilarious. And, and I'm here to tell you, like, you better watch your back if you're a bad guy in Trollmaville because Toxic kicks ass and he will punch you in the balls. Andy, have you seen Toxic Avenger? Yeah, yeah, okay. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's it's uh, it's one that I enjoy watching. It's just it's just the off the wall, you know, it's over the top. Uh, you've got like over the top gore and violence and. Uh, but yeah, it's a fun time. Yeah, you have scrawny nerdy boy who's a custodian at a health club, falls into toxic waste and mutates into the Toxic Avenger, where he's still good at heart, but he is a monster, and people treat him like that. But he finally wins the hearts of Tromaville because he's taken out all the bad guys, and so it's like the bad guys meet their match to go up against this guy, and it is just hilarious to see and. Nobody can not love the sequence where Toxic Avenger is in the restaurant, in the Mexican food restaurant, and he's kicking all those guys' asses, turning them into sundaes and tacos. I mean, it's just a good time. I couldn't do a monster list without having some sort of trauma affiliation. Yeah, I'm not mad. Oh, good. I'm glad. What you got for number three? <laughs> all right, number three. This one I had to think about because... You know, with our rule, like a monster couldn't go from a human to a monster and then back to a human. So I was thinking about it and I asked Dave, and he's like, he's like, oh, that's fine. So it's like, okay. So my number three is The Thing. And yeah, so this one, you know, great special effects. But yeah, like you, like you, like we said, you know, it does change to a person and it can act like a person and, uh, and then it can go into a full monster mode and, uh, but yeah, this is one that has. Uh, this is another one that I caught. I caught a little bit of on TV when I was a kid, and it just fascinated me because it was the scene where. Uh, no, I didn't watch the. I didn't actually watch the movie. It was the like the commercial. I was watching okay. something else, and I saw the commercial for this. And on the commercial, it shows uh, the scene where uh, uh, Bennings, the guy that first gets. Uh, turn into the thing or whatever where he's like running out in the snow and yep. he's like holding it he's got these like big claw hands yeah and they flame him and so that they showed that scene in the commercial where he just like starts screaming that unearthly scream you know mm -hmm. and uh so that just really caught my caught my imagination and so i, I wanted to see it ever since then i finally got to see it as an adult but yeah this is you know john carpenter you know he's he's the master um and then Rob Bottin, just awesome special effects. Uh, you just, there's just, if you're a, a monster fan, this has got to be. If it's not on your top five list, you know, it's got to be one that that you appreciate at least. Yeah, for sure, it's a a great movie. I'm glad you brought it up. I just think it's funny how your classic monster movie number three was the thing from another world and then this one number three was <laughs> john carpenter's the thing so oh wow <laughs> yeah look at that both made your top three that's awesome but uh andy said it best man when he said john carpenter uh was a master filmmaker and this movie is uh definitely a representation of that i'm not mad at you for having it and i love it also but um 
Andy, I'm going to tell you about my number three. My number three is a movie that is so emotional. And it involves a father, a son, some dirt bikes, and a demon. It's from 1988. It's Pumpkinhead. So, oh, yeah, yeah I, I know everybody loves Pumpkinhead. Everybody needs to love Pumpkinhead. You got Lance Hendrickson as Ed Harley. He's fantastic. And I totally buy his performance. He's amazing in everything he does. And this may be his best work. I know everybody loves him in Aliens. Uh, he's great in both. But, dude, <laughs> the look of Pumpkinhead makes a perfect monster. What do you think about my choice, Pumpkinhead? Yeah, no, it's it's a great monster movie. I mean, yeah, uh, Lance Henriksen, a great actor. Yeah, Stan Winston did the effects for the monster, so you know it's going to be good. Um, but yeah, it it was it, it's a really cool design. It's a pretty unique design, and I'm kind of surprised that Pumpkinhead isn't higher up on the horror tier. You know, of like of uh, just like overall like horror icons or whatever. Mm. Yeah, well, he's kind of. I, yeah. I think when you talk about top of the list for horror icons, it's funny how slashers really take that top tier. It seems like monsters don't make it as high. But I think real horror people do know and love Pumpkinhead. And I, I love Pumpkinhead uh, Part 2 also, Blood Wings. Uh, it's a total 90s movie. It's great, directed by Jeff Burr. Um, but I didn't want to have both Pumpkinheads on my list, so I went with the original because it kickstarts it off. And there's just something about... Like, I know the movie was filmed in California, but it totally looks like Louisiana. It's like the boonies and um, small town living on the cheap. Just father and son got a little grocery store of their own. And these punk kids, you know, it's the perfect situation of every good horror movie where uh, stupid teenagers come to a place they don't know and try to act like they own everybody. And then, um, yeah, they find out they don't know shit, and if something has their way with them. And there's just something about the monster of Pumpkinhead, the way that they light the scenes and have the creature drag people up off the roof or into trees. It's like storming outside, and you just see that monster, and you literally shit yourself because you don't want to run into this monster. Because if you do, everybody knows it's because he's there to kill you. So, <laughs> just you have to love Pumpkinhead. Yeah. And Andy... I know I don't need to tell you this, but I want to tell the listeners, he does not have the head of a pumpkin. He's called Pumpkinhead because he comes from the pumpkin patch. I just want to make it clear, he's not a pumpkin-headed monster. That would be different. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a totally different movie, I it think. It would be. <laughs> It'd also be kind of silly. But hey, let's go number two. What you got? All right, so my number two... Uh, the, you know, it should be no surprise to most people that have listened to our shows in the past that this movie is on my list. It's, um, I'll just say it's Chud. Yeah. Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers, 1984, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is this has got to be a classic. I mean, for me, this is a classic. I can watch this anytime. Um, it's it's one that I did see as a kid. I saw the full movie on like, you know, the local UHF stations. So. Um, this is one that I just have always loved. Uh, just the idea of like, uh, homeless people, you know, kind of being mutated by nuclear waste and turning into these monsters and, uh, just, and just the whole idea of people living underground. It's so, it's so fascinating. Um, and you know, cause we know that that probably really happens with, you know, homeless people, they live like in 
New York, wherever they live underground and stuff. It's just really fascinating idea. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, this movie is just, it's right up there. You know, it's, 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 it's great. Yeah. It's, it's one of your favorite films, period. And now I'm really baffled because there was two movies in my head that I thought were going to be your number one. And I've recently found out that neither are, um, I love Chud. I'm right there with you. I love Chud 1. I love Chud 2. Totally two different kinds of films. But man, that first movie is so great. You have gritty New York. And you have some really interesting sleazeball-ish and cool characters. And people can say what they want, but I think the look of the Chud is really cool. And I'm down with the effects. And anything that has even a glimpse of John Goodman is a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. practical effects are great in this movie. Yeah, you just, you just can't, I don't know, like, this is, for a B-movie, this is probably better than it has any right to be. Yeah, and especially in your heart. <laughs> but that's okay. Cool <laughs> cover, too. But, uh, hey, man, my number two, I got another question for you. I'm riddled with questions today. Hey, how do you feel about spiders? Uh, I'm okay with them because they kill all the other annoying bugs. 100%. How do you feel about one giant spider well see that I didn't have a problem with that one because it would probably kill me <laughs> yeah because you become bugs. the insect right <laughs> alright well right. let's throw some icing on the cake how would you feel about a giant spider disguised as a clown because I'm referring to my number two which is <laughs> 1990's It alright oh yeah you want to talk about you might get some crap I'm putting It on my top five monster movies now I'm going to get some crap but I don't care because this movie is three hours and seven minutes of glory okay Tim Curry as Pennywise is perfect I love the town of Derry I love the Losers Club and I really love a great Stephen King story I've probably seen this movie 60 times like this was one where I had I saw it on TV I had the dual VHS as a kid, and I watched it literally any opportunity I got. And squeezing in a three-hour movie is not easy to do. I know it can be argued that you know it's a technicality that maybe you know it's made for TV. It's a TV series. I'm like ah, it's a made-for-TV movie. Who cares how long it is? It's fucking awesome, and I love both parts. You know, part one, part two, the whole. Um, kitten caboodle i guess i'll say that's kind of weird but it just makes me giddy and i recently watched this movie again just to just to do it because you know like i said watching a three-hour movie is tough to do but i was sick on the couch and so i said fuck it and so i watched it and man i just had the biggest smile on my face seeing pennywise seeing young seth green seeing tim reed like just all the characters uh jonathan brandis man this movie just makes my heart really happy and it comes in at number two because it does just that but when we're talking about the best monster movies of the time period there's really one that has to uh up the ante and i'll save that for a second but uh man i know you've seen it what do you think of it oh yeah it's great uh you know, and I know people. So there's some people that turn their nose up at the monster at the end when uh, its like true form is revealed. But I think it's pretty cool. I, I I liked it. I mean, I think it looked cool. I you know, I was happy there was a monster. <laughs> so I, I didn't really care. You know, if if people you know if it didn't seem to fit in or whatever. I thought it was great. I know that a lot of people really love Tim Curry's performance, and so I think that was the part where when it was revealed it was a giant spider that it kind of crushed them. And, you know, it's 1990 made-for-TV budget. Of course the spider's not going to look what you want it to look like. But, you know, 
It was practical. It was a giant spider. It moved on its own. It looked awesome. And uh, I just, man, everything about this movie really says a lot about my childhood. And so I can't leave it off my list. And there are several good spider movies out there. But this one's like a clown movie and a spider movie. So it's two in one. That's just a good time. So, yep, I'll leave it with that. My number two, It, Andy, what do you got for number one? All right, so my number one, yeah, I guess it's going to surprise you a little bit. Um, my number one is 1979's Alien. Ooh, a movie that was on my list but got booted. Ooh, wow, okay. Yeah, no, this one, uh, this is another one that I saw probably way too young. I saw, it's like on HBO when I was a kid, and I saw, like... Oh, I, I remember the scene that I saw. It was a scene where um, Ash is kind of finally revealed to be an android, and he starts going like crazy, and like they knock his head off, and and that totally freaked me out. So when I got a little bit older, I got the VHS tape, and yeah, so I watched this movie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just the 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 setting of the spaceship, the design of the alien itself, and HR Giger, like just a really cool creature design. Just a really cool idea of the creature, like how it grows and stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, there's just a lot to love about it. Yeah. Um, when I told you I made my list in like 30 seconds or whatever it was, Alien was on there along with uh, Pumpkinhead and Jaws. And my number one stayed the same, luckily. But. It kind of hurt for me to take Alien off, but I couldn't help it because I wanted to talk about some of the newer movies. So that's the one that got booted. So I'm really happy that you have it at your number one so that we get to talk about it. Dude, I saw Alien when I was a kid, but I remembered like shit nothing about it. And rewatching it uh, about a year or so ago with Julie, it was such a scary movie. It was done right. I loved it. It's a total haunted house movie. It's got the best tagline ever, like, in space, no one can hear you scream. And you're right, dude. That creature is gnarly looking. And when it's, like, saliva dripping from its fangs, like, you just know you're shit out of luck when you come face-to-face with the alien, especially the mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great choice, dude. Yeah. It's... Yeah. yeah. And, uh, man, that's a, that's a good series, too. Like, the alien movies are awesome. The first one might be the best. I think most people either pick one or two, because one's like a horror movie, or two feels very action-y. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, the monster's in them all, man, and the monster never lets you down. So, mm, just so yeah. Good. And I'm glad, because like I said, I felt so bad taking it off my list. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Andy. Um, I'm here to tell you that my favorite monster movie from 1970 to 1999 is none other than the shape-shifting alien in Antarctica. John Carpenter's The Thing, boy. Your number three is my number one. (laughs) This is the, like, definitive monster movie. So when you were talking, like, you were getting into that, I was just like, you're damn right, bro. This movie is loaded (laughs) with atmosphere and paranoia. And I think it has an amazing cast and quite possibly the greatest special effects of all time in a horror movie. We, I agree with you. John Carpenter is a master filmmaker. This film is no exception. And 
when I this was my number one. Like I put it down immediately, and I was just like, when I think of monster movies, this always goes right in there. And I didn't even, to be honest with you, <laughs> I didn't even think about the fact that it re- could sometimes revert to a human because I'm, I, I thought you were gonna go against the rule. I didn't realize I did it first. Um, because it's so quick to become an alien. And I guess when I think of a parasitic host, I think of it inside not being human. But I guess to a, a technicality, you're right. Um, in a minute, I'm going to have to tell you what I thought one of your other movies was going to be. But I have to tell you, I take such joy when I hear about somebody seeing this movie for the first time and how it like knocks their socks off and then how they realize like the movie came out in 1980 because or 82. But... We all love – we're heartbroken, but we love the story of how like, oh, this movie was a flop, but then it was a massive success on VHS, and it has developed a cult following of all time. Because, dude, there's something just so insane about being stuck on this Antarctic outpost, and you're, you're just there with all your coworkers. And any of you could be the killer. I'm like, that's just badass. And then you throw in, like you said, Rob's effects on this movie. Like, everybody loves Rick Baker, but then the world was fucking rocked when this guy came on the scene. Because he was, what, like 19 years old, I think, when he did this, the effects for this movie. And just seeing, like, the dogs, and then they're, like, mouth splitting open, and the creatures coming out. Seeing, like, the head spider monster detaching and crawling across the ground. That scene. Okay, okay, Andy, check this out. I'm going to do this. Both of our number ones had a chest exploding scene. Oh, yeah, you're right. In Alien, that was like the scene. And in The Thing, that was the scene that got me. When they're like, clear! And the doctor goes to resuscitate and the arms go into the chest and the chest bites. Holy fucking shit, dude. I, oh, I remember the night I had saw this for the first time. I had bought it on DVD along with the original William Castle 13 Ghost DVD. And this was like my double feature to myself. I was a teenager with no responsibility, so I had that kind of time. But I had no idea what I was in for. And I remember watching 13 Ghosts first. And I was like, this was great. And I thought that maybe I watched the better movie first. <laughs> no, sir. When I put in John Carpenter's thing, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, and I was still oblivious to how you make movies in a sense that, okay, this wasn't really filmed in Antarctica, but dude, it looks like it. You know what I mean? Like you, after you watch this movie for a few minutes, you need a blanket because you're freezing your ass off. You feel like you're there with them, but you have Kurt Russell and you have Keith David and dude, dude, it's just so good. And I always get excited when I see TK Carter because he wasn't in enough stuff, but check this out. My number one and number two both have Richard Mazier, right? So he played the adult Stan in it and then he also played uh clark in this who watches the dogs but uh andy i can i can go on forever you and i've done an episode on it you and i've gushed on it obviously it's on your list and you love it but does it make you happy to know that the thing is my number one yeah that's great (laughs) you're like really cool yeah give him a trophy (laughs) so um (laughs) all right man i'm gonna tell you the one movie that i thought was gonna be on your list when you asked me the question, I was just like, oh, I already know what you're talking about. Apparently, I didn't, bro. I thought you were going to say David Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh, okay. Because it's a total body horror yeah, movie, no. and I just I thought it yeah. was going to be you. Uh, but that's what I get for thinking. <laughs> well, yeah, it's one that I've seen and I like, but yeah, it just it's not one that I go back to very often. Uh, which, you know, it seems like it would be a movie that would 
watch a lot. Yeah, I just don't. That's okay. That's all yeah. right. I'm happy that Chad was on your list because Chad needs to be talked about more. But Andy, man, thank you so much for uh, coming back for a second episode. You know, I've already uh, tied you into a third episode coming soon. But I'm glad to know that it was hard for you because I didn't want it to be easy. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. I mean, these are always a fun time to talk about monster movies, especially, you know, 70s to the 90s. You know, some of the best ones ever made have come out. And uh, so, yeah, it's fun. man. It's hard making the list, but it's fun when you you get to talk talk about these movies. And especially when we each have different movies, then that just that's just more movies we get to talk about. (laughs) Yep. And, you know, I couldn't let you go without having at least one crossover. And that was my number one. So we almost made it. But <laughs> we both love that movie. What are you going to do? So, uh, Andy, in the in the world of horror podcast, <laughs> uh, you do some single reviews of some forgotten horror movies. So let's just talk about it for a second, plug the podcast, and let's get people to find you. Oh, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, it's called the World of Horror Podcast, and it's basically just me, Dave, will hop on, on an episode every now and then. And... Uh, well, you know, let's just talk about, like, right now I'm doing the Forgotten Horror series where I'm going through my Null Creek 50 movie packs. And so I'm sure everybody knows about those. There's, like, those, like, box sets that have, like, 50. They're, usually they're kind of, like, low-budget movies or movies that are kind of obscure. But I'm just going through them one by one and, and putting out reviews on each movie. Uh, each episode is, you know, focuses on one movie. It's... it's kind of a deep dive and some trivia and some history on the movie and also just kind of my thoughts on the movie too so i just had something i'm having fun with hell yeah man and listeners out there if you like hearing andy and i talk about movies go check out world of horror podcast i've been on quite a few episodes including one about chud so if you haven't seen chud or you love chud and you want to hear how much andy loves chud go check out the chud episode andy Thanks for coming on, and I'll see you for round three. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It's been great. have it top five monster movies from 1970 through 1999 what you guys think i hope you enjoyed it because it was a shit ton fun to do and andy called it when he said it was really hard because it was (laughs) my list changed considerably but you know what i can't believe we didn't talk about the blob the blob the remake didn't make either one of our lists but that's a fucking great monster movie i'm sorry that we missed it the problem with five is there can only be five we already had two honorable mentions but uh yeah whose list did you like better the good news is we're both right and my goodness who's with me john carpenter's the thing is one of the greatest horror movies of all time love the original love the remake need to rewatch that other one you know the one i'm talking about but hey if you guys enjoyed this episode please let me know Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can hit that five star. You can give me a review. Or you can just say, nah, but it was good. And I'll be like, thanks. Cool. (laughs) Guys, I have a lot of fun doing this. If you enjoy it, let me know. If you want to be a guest sometime, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Dave underscore Phantom. 
And, uh, yeah, that's about it, because I need to watch some new monster movies, and my stomach is growling like a son of a bitch. So you guys have a really great day. I'll let that be that. My name is Phantom Dark Dave, and you're listening to All Things Dave Podcast. It's the greatest story in sports. Start dropping straight back, hit as he throws, has the ball, and it is a touchdown. I'm Doug Russell, and this is Tales from 1265, an insider's look at football's most storied franchise. A franchise that has had its dynasties. This is the first Super Bowl trophy, and uh, it's something Green Bay can keep. We're going to have a, a new trophy each year. And its rebirths. Every major football decision will be made by Ron Wolf. I realize I'm a Green Bay Packer now. And- Maybe I can prove that I am worth the first-round pick next year, but just got to be patient. But I was really impressed with the coaching staff, with the whole organization, and with the direction the team is going. I think they, they have a total commitment to winning. Tales from 1265 is presented by Nicolay Law, your local award-winning injury lawyers. If you've been injured, get Nicolay, Wisconsin's winning team of lawyers that will get you back in the game. Tales from 1265 is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts and is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 